Three, two, one, go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the original Judo podcast. You are coming today to a very special episode. I mean, every episode is special. Every episode of the original Judo podcast is special. Um, I mean, because we never know which one's going to be the last. But today's episode is even more special because you don't get one Austin for the price of this episode. No, 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 no. You get two Austins. I am delighted to welcome my younger, slightly less attractive brother, Stuart Austin, to the show. How are you doing, Stu? I'm very good, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic. I mean, less attractive is very much debatable, as I never, never developed your uh, cauliflower face. <laughs> you got out of judo just in time, is that right? I did, yeah. Well, you know, I, I still don't have cauliflower ears, so. Yeah, you, well, I can good. say that is a move. That is a that is a good move. At the time, I was very proud of my cauliflower ears, and many years later, it's a it's a source of regret. Um, in case anybody shockingly doesn't know who you are, um, I have mentioned the house championship many times on the on the on the show um, as reigning champion. I'm fairly sure. Uh, we'll, we'll come to the house championship later, um, but could you tell people a little bit about your career highlights? Um, obviously, we're not talking judo today. My brother uh, moved from judo. <laughs> <they're> on, eh? <laughs> yeah, my brother moved from judo <laughs> to um, MMA many, many moons ago. Our conversation about judo would be short, um, so we're talking MMA and judo and MMA today. <laughs> so um, yeah, talk us through some of your career highlights. Well, in uh... I started uh, judo when I was was I four or five. Um, used to go watch you sit on the side of the mat watching you and go and complain to mum and dad every time, every week, saying I wanted to train. I think I eventually bullied my way onto the mat a couple of years before everyone else was allowed. Um, and uh, yeah, um, obviously I competed in judo till well, I competed seriously till I was about nineteen, um, and I, you know, did the sort of uh, cadet cadet squad and junior squad thing and you know did a few tournaments it was all right nothing 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 special to speak of uh, as your uh, as i'm sure your audience has nobody's ever heard of me apart from this podcast which kind of says a lot um but yeah so i switched over to mma um and it's been well i think when do we have our first fights because most people probably don't know that james austin has had mixed martial arts fights <laughs> broken I, the I, IJF declaration before it was even made um, yeah I don't know it, was I about 17 16 or 17 when we first and you you 22, 23 yeah um, I, th- I think we had one in 2007 I think that was the first one so I was 24 no, 2007 and you would have been 19, 18, 19. Yeah, okay yeah I think yeah that sounds about right something we, like uh, that we got in a car and drove to Newcastle and got in a cage and got punched in the face. You're beating up. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Back in the people, people don't still don't believe that. Like, I, I mean, apart from the ones we had there, I had, uh, I think I had nearly seven or eight fights without even training MMA at all. <laughs> Just a judo warrior. Um, it's amazing how the yeah. sport has moved on, and that you don't 
<laughs> I don't imagine you get many athletes make the transition that way. Go, oh, I'm good at judo. I'll just do this. This other <laughs> completely different sport. It'll be fine. Anymore. Oh, literally. Yeah. It, it was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. Um, and uh, we both, uh, well, you know, uh, we both uh, achieved some brain damage uh, <laughs> early on. I started my career with a bang. Um, but no, it was fun. It was fun. Like, um, you know, and then I, I got my ass kicked and, uh, and I decided I actually wanted to take it a little bit more seriously eventually. Um, but yeah, so since, since then I've, I've had some, some mixed success. I've, I've, uh, I'm a Bellator veteran. Um, I, well, so I've, uh, fought, uh, and won the Bama heavyweight title. Um, won a yeah, title out in Wales, original title there, um, for, you know, in a few countries around the world, it's not quite, quite like judo, judo tourism, but, um, yeah, I've been to a few places, um, and, my last fight, I actually uh, beat um, Ishii, the um, obviously former Olympic champion, um, out in Germany. Yeah, so that was kind of a cool one. And uh, as far as I'm aware, like this is just what I'm led to believe, I am one and zero against Olympic champions, um, and you are you, you hold no victories over Olympic champions. <laughs> I I've I've fought several, um, and I think I've lost every every single one. <laughs> um, so in many regards that that's a victory that's a that's a victory for you in the podcast um yeah but i'd like to point out that i am undefeated in my mma career as we go you on. are undefeated in your MMA so, career i got out ahead um <laughs> so what what kind of where did you fall out of love with judo and what made you move into mma where did that come from uh, well, it's super easy for me. Um, I think, well, you know it already. Um, I stopped just enjoying training. Um, I, it became about competing all the time. Everything was competition, competition, competition. And it, uh, the sport was very results-based. And I, I don't know how it is now. But for me, if I wasn't winning a tournament, then like it felt like, you know, I shouldn't have turned, you know, I've, I've wasted my time. I wasted all these months, years. Um, and it just became a super negative cycle. And and sometimes I found that you, I turn up and you, you win a tournament maybe, or you get a bronze medal, which is a great thing. Bronze, silver medal, even, even a fifth place. Sometimes that's an amazing achievement against the, the caliber of opposition you're against. Um, and, you know, like you think, oh, my performance wasn't exactly what it could be. And when I look back at it now, I was 17, 18 years old. Like, who cares? Literally, who cares? It doesn't matter whatsoever. Any, any title I won, you know, before you're a senior, it doesn't matter at all. Like, it doesn't matter if you're, you're British champion or world champion because it's all training. It's, it's, you're training to compete and then you're trying to try and win and you're trying to learn. And hindsight is 2020 um so for me mma was a, was just a fresh start it was just this fun crazy new thing and i remember i, I remember my best friend uh, darius watching some ufc dvds with him and watching i think i think the first fight i watched was vitor belfort and he uh, kneed marvin eastman in the head and opened a cut probably like a three or four inch cut on his head 
the most grisly thing I've ever seen. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it was insane. And then I watched Chuck Liddell uh, beat somebody and I was like, oh, that would go as a wrestler, wasn't he? And he's like, that's, you know, that's kind of like judo. And you sort of heard, you, obviously back in the day, remember Corey um, from Hardy's used to do it. And uh, yes. and Corey was a warrior, wasn't he? Um, was a was a tough guy. And when the original, certainly, I mean, I'm sure there were people, there were definitely UK guys who came before Corey, but Corey was doing it when we were, when I was 12 or 13. I completely so forgot that. This is... That's 20 years ago now. He was he was an early mid, pioneer in the UK. Mid-90s, um, this guy we used to train judo with, and we all thought he was a lunatic at the time. But again, he'd fallen in love with the sport, clearly been watching the early UFCs, and just fancied a crack. Um, yeah. Cool. So, 20 years on... Uh, 20 years on it's nah 15 years on 15 from yeah. 2007 almost um where do you want to get to are the goals the same I assume when you start out it's about making the UFC um is that still where you want to get to uh the goals are kind of the same and different now um nowadays I I'm kind of much more trying to achieve what's in front of my face right now so my goal was always to win a fight in the UFC because especially when I started back then there was no way a British guy was going to win a major title in an organisation it just wasn't going to happen um, so like my goal was to win a fight in the UFC so if, if if you win a fight it's like winning a fight in the Olympics you go to the Olympics you win a match you did good you did good maybe you weren't the champion but it was like that was a you know that was a mark of you know, I'm not just here to, to make up numbers. Um, so that that is kind of my goal. But I'm also with the perspective of if if you can win a fight in the UFC, why can't you win four fights? You know, if you win one, you can win four. Maybe on the right day. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the idea that, like, you know, the champion is only the champion on that day. And don't get me wrong, if someone is the, is the title holder for five, ten years, then probably they're, they're the champion on most days of the week. But on, you know, like one guy, if you win that the right fight on the right day and you beat that guy, you, it doesn't matter if you're only the best in the, in the world for one day, you know, and anyone, anyone who's of that level, anyone in the top 10, top 15 in the world, on the right day, in, under the right circumstances, can be the world champion. And that'd be pretty cool. Um, but realistically now, what I want to do is I want to have a fight and I want to win another fight. So... You know, obviously, my, my last fight is kind of the biggest name on my um on my record, Ishii, because um, he's you know he's kind of a, a combat sports legend, not just uh, an MMA guy. He's you know he's he's a multifaceted hero to a lot of people, um, and it'd be nice to just you know go and fight another guy of that sort of stature, someone with a really big name, fight them, beat them, and then you know, move on up. Everyone wants to get signed. Everyone wants to get signed, but it's just, it's a case of some of its time and place. There's no clear um, qualification system. Like with, with judo, you know, although they do like to change it every, you know, six months or however, long, however quickly they like to seem to change the scoring, the point system. Um, but with MMA, it's a little bit like, 
if the right guy pulls out on the right day and you're fit and healthy and you say yes, then you're in, you're in the UFC. Fantastic. Um, and then I see other guys, like I had a friend who was on an 11 fight winning streak and was amazing. And he just never got the call. And eventually, you know, eventually MMA is, you know, you, you zig when you should have zagged and, and that's it. And then, you know, your career takes a different path. So, I don't know. It's just win the next fight. That's the biggest thing for me. Win the next one and then we'll worry about what comes after. I'm also, right now, I'm older now than when you retired in judo. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm well aware this could be the train, the train can come off the tracks very quickly. So I'm just trying to enjoy each day. That said, I think you'd probably agree. I always, I, I take care of myself better than you in terms of injuries. Um Oh, it's getting, it's getting controversial already. It's getting <laughs> controversial already. Well, no, you're I the don't... classic wounded soldier. You, people don't realise, you know, I know I know what you dealt with in your career, and I know a lot of a lot of people do, but I'm well aware, you know, half your career you were half crippled. Um, <laughs> you know, for half your Olympic qualification, you had severe injuries, didn't you? You know, your whole Olympic thing. Some, some. Let's, yeah, yeah, you some. know, you were awaiting awaiting surgery and stuff, um, and and you would yeah, I, I know you would never admit it and put it out to the world because you're not that guy. You're not going to say poor me, and I'm sure there are other people who went to the games who had had issues, but you know there are other people who didn't, and I think I've tried to actually like, um, I've tried to be one of the people who doesn't have that, especially like I had a, a minor elbow surgery which I, you know, finally got, and I was just like now I've got to look after myself. I'm being smart. Um, so day by day now, you know, I want to win a fight. Give me one fight, let me win it, and then we'll see what comes after. What a long rambling answer. <laughs> you touched on a couple of interesting things, though, which I'm surprised about. You're my brother. I wasn't expecting anything interesting to come out of this episode. Um, what What is the value of, like, being able to, I guess, grind it through those injuries? Is that an important aspect of MMA or at least getting established? Because I'd say for judo, you could easily be off the mat with some kind of knock all the time. And I'd imagine similarly in your sport, you have to, to some degree, find ways to keep training when you've got knocks. Is yeah. that is that a problem with the sports or is it just the nature of it being a combat, a physical sport? I personally think that it's more to do with how you organize yourself and and unfortunately with judo you're you're kind of pushed by the the competition schedule and the governing body as well um i think in my i i feel there are potentially um well there are definitely fights where my performance has been impaired by my health um in terms of my, you know, I had a severe elbow injury, a long-standing elbow injury, um, and as soon, I mean, oh, as, fighting in heavyweight, obviously my weight is allowed to be high. As soon as I got my elbow injury fixed, I put on five, six kilos, and I think you know, like, um, I had, I think it was about three or four weeks. I managed to put on five or six kilograms, and I, I'm just convinced now. I mean, I was bare. I mean. I was just doing some weights and stuff and some light training. Obviously, you're, you're not you know, redlining yourself as much, but also I'm absolutely convinced that my body was trying to 
um, deal with the inflammation and repair my elbow for year after year after year. And then I got it, um, got, you know, the minor surgery done and boom, overnight, it's suddenly not having to constantly, you know, work at, you know, a constant injury just nagging away. And then I, I may, I, I, my lifts all went up significantly. I put on muscle overnight, practically. It was crazy. And I think in judo, I mean, I know, I know from speaking to you and, and, you know, I, you know, I still hear things from the grapevine. I know the kind of type of schedule, like if your problem sometimes is like, oh, I've got to hit this number of points or do that. Or, or even sometimes like if, you, if, if it's a national team selection, um, you know, that's another tournament you can't ignore. Even though perhaps if you're the dominant person in your division, then perhaps it's not an important tournament to you. But there might be people who are training all year round just to beat you, only for you. Um, while you're having to focus on, you know, probably 50 to 80 international fighters and work out all those guys and then the juniors from different countries coming up and this guy and that guy. And you go back home and you've got to fight the national championships where six guys have thought just about James Austin all year and how to beat him and how no, can I... No one, and, was, and no one was ever thinking about that, James Austin. No one was ever thinking about James Austin. They were hunting him. <laughs> the Austins. Always... <laughs> no, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like... Um, and and it, that scheduling can be a really, really tricky thing. Um, I think the beauty of sometimes MMA is, in a way, because sometimes it's hard to book fights, like sometimes you're forced to take time. And it, But it's it's a case of are you willing to sit and just, just let yourself heal? Uh, and I see a lot of guys who aren't. And I think now, at 32, um, I actually had this conversation with some younger guys today. Um, and just saying like, they, they were talking about doing their sprints um, at the track. And I was saying, and they were saying what they're doing and, and how they, you know, how they found it. And I was like, this is the same session was a relatively easy session for me, but relatively hard for them. And I was talking to them and they came out, they run two miles. The guy's running two miles to get to the track to do his sprints and then running two miles back. And I'm like, well, you're not doing sprints. You're doing an aerobic workout because you've already run, you know, like, the quality of the, I'm saying walk to the track or, you know, find a, another way. Um, but at the same time, the same principle is like, why do two miles before then the training then two miles after when your goal should be to do the training? So if you need to qualify, is it better to do 10 tournaments in a year and not peak for any of them? Or why don't you turn up for five and turn up with fire in your veins, you know, like with meanness? And I, and I kind of understand the problem is when you're in a difficult position for qualifying, if you're on the out, outskirts of the qualifying, you're like, oh my God, I've got to do this and that and that. But then uh, I, I would say it's a similar principle to um, trying to escape from a position. If someone else is in a strong position, sometimes it's better to do one strong escape and commit everything to it than five weak ones. You know, if you, the more you mm. compete, the less you're able to peak for a competition. I think I certainly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, going, it's going. It's difficult. It's going back a few years <laughs> when I was last competed, but it's so easy to fall in that mindset of this. The competition this weekend is the most important one, and then it 
it's passed. And if it goes well, it goes well. If it goes badly, it goes badly. But the next competition, all of a sudden, it's become the most important one. And that might be the next weekend. And there's never really that time to kind of settle and either appreciate what you did, but really properly reflect on what you did because you're constantly yeah. moving from one to the next. And it's so important. Every weekend so important. And that, yeah, that constant calendar for judo, I don't think helps. Um, I personally felt that was pushed on you as well in terms of perhaps not, I don't think people are doing it as a spiteful thing, but I think certainly during your time, some of the your external staff almost encourage that so most athletes are going to overtrain um want to compete too and want to do too much and most of the time what i believe if you're a hard-working athlete and most people get if you get to a certain standard you're probably going to be a hard worker they're always the guys who are the lazy guys um but who need to be pushed but most of the people are hard workers and i personally think it should be the 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 kind of job with the with a coaching so-so or management team to be to come from more of a an assessing role of like and, and to say no I want to take you away from no no we don't need to do that don't worry about it let's you know forget that this is important it's prior, kind of prioritization of of important things so maybe you maybe you do compete in 10 tournaments a year but you specifically say this one this one and this one our training tournaments. We want you to go out and get a couple of matches. Don't care if you win or lose. Whereas if you go out, certainly in judo, and this is how I felt, like every single day, like you said, was the most, you know, you go to the, I don't know, the, the Southern Open or whatever, the English Open. And when it really should be uh, about learning to compete, maybe trying to, if you're an international, if you're a national player or, or an internationally ranked player, if you're a world ranked player, you should be able to go to the English Open and go and try some stuff. You should be able to go out there and try that new throw that you've been working on in training. Because when you go out there and you're competing against the Japanese guy who's, you know, just slammed 12 other people in a row in, in five or three competitions, then it's going to be harder to practice that new throw, isn't it? Um, and I just don't think there is that kind of that element of that. If you go to a B tournament as a judo player, and you, if you're an a, a, you know, a, a World Cup, you know, I'm probably using the wrong terms. If you're a world, you know, like a, a Grand Slam player or whatever the hell they call them now, and you go to the B tournament, and you don't smash everyone. They're going to be like, why are oh, we got beat by this guy? And then, or, or heaven forbid, another British guy goes and does better than you. Mm. And then they're thinking, of, and you know, it, all it is is, I think there's. It, there's good pressure and good, you know, it's like everything. We know stress is a good thing for a performance um, and for training, you know, like when you train, you, you, you stress your body or, or even your mind or, or, you know, any aspect of performance and you stress it and, and it, um, you know, um, I'm thinking the word, kind of like if, if it was your body, it would cause, it would damage your body slightly, damage your muscle. And then you allow your, your muscle time to recover and you can supercompensate and get better. So you end up, if you're going along, you dip down. And then when you allow yourself to recover, you, you should end up slightly, you, you recover and you're slightly stronger or faster, or your mind is, is you, perhaps you're going to learn new mental skills and practice them. And the same with our technical skills. You know, if, you know, at first you drill a technique, um, you know, you do your chukami, you do nagakami, then you're trying to get it into randori and, and land it on 
you know, you land it on the, the, the bodies in the room. Um, then you do it on the better guys in the room. But, you know, when you're doing your and you're a bit more open, a bit more, you're less stressed. Um, and then you can take it to a competition. But if you take it to the competition and you got the Olympic champion in first round, good luck. Because you're just going to go straight back to the, you know, the safe techniques. Um, and that's really, really difficult, I think, in judo to do. Really, really difficult. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do agree to some extent. Like, and again, my career was what, ten years ago now. The majority of it, and yeah, but there's always that. There's always that pressure. Whether it was the heart of England or the English Open, it was never an opportunity to go out and try stuff. Well, certainly, I never felt that at the time because you always had to prove where you were. Um, there were always consequences. It, yeah, there was always consequences to things going wrong which meant you you probably all felt like there were consequences. You probably didn't have the space to go and try things. Um, you mentioned you mentioned fighting Ishii. Uh, and obviously we're talking about uh, Beijing 2008. Wait, are you talking about the guy I beat last? <laughs> oh, <fire. laughs> I was so excited when this fight was announced. Okay, so he's the last person not named Teddy Rinner to win an Olympic title. Um, we're talking 12 years, 13 years ago now. He had an unorthodox style of judo for Japanese judo. He was very physical in how he, he fought and competed. Um, yeah, he's, he's basically a judo superstar. Moved into MMA. So excited when you got to fight him. I got even more excited when I found out he spoke incredible English and I started making all these plans to get him on the show after he fought you. And then you fucked it. You went and beat him in a contentious decision. <laughs> now I feel like I can't ask him to come on the show. I've got to give it a little while. There was, there was nothing <laughs> contentious about it. Oh my word. I can't even get into this. It's... <laughs> They try it well. What was it they like fighting a unanimous decision? <laughs> what was it like fighting? Uh, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. Um, because obviously he's such a big name, but like I was never I never loved judo as much as you. I loved in competing in the sport, but I never watched judo. I never kind of idolized people. I always saw people as competitors. Um, so it was super cool, like with someone who's a bit of an icon. Um, and that was uh, and it was it was interesting because he, in a way, he took away one of my strengths because in spite of the fact that I do judo uh, once a year at most, maybe once every two years, um, I am known for, you know, occasionally hitting the odd throw here. I hit, you know, I hit a few haragoshis or Osoto Garys in my fights um, from some specific positions. And I, I do use them somewhat regularly. Um, and I'm known for kind of my wrestling game, my grappling Um and obviously that kind of like is something you can't rely on against someone like that. So that was, that was a, an interesting thing. He's left-handed, um, which again, another fun. Hell, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Should just ban them all. Um, <laughs> and I, I had it on two weeks notice as well. So it's about a two weeks notice um, for five rounds. So it's only the second five round fight I had in my, my career. Two weeks notice against the left-hander who... My biggest strengths were 
kind of going to be neutralized. So it was like, okay, well, let's just see what's going to happen. Um, but I also had the perspective of, I feel like I have enough judo that I can, you know, kind of stifle his, you know, like, like in judo, you know, we put the hand on, you know, you're not allowed to block the hip with your hands. Um, because it's super negative and stuff like that. You know, a lot of the negative things that I can take away is judo by being Mr. Stiff Arms. And, and you know, and, and, and I think I have that, having that, you know, simple tricks, you know, that we literally, you know, you ban in one sport work perfectly in MMA. That's the whole point. You know, if it's, if it's banned in a sport, it must be because it works too well. It's negative. Great, let's do it. Um, but yeah, it was it was all right. It was as fights go. Don't if 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 you're listening to this, all twelve of you. Um, <laughs> oh, um, <cold>. <laughs> and optimistic as well. Was, there's only seven. The <laughs> <laughs> um, don't don't go and watch it. It was the most boring fight. <laughs> um, essentially, I got pushed into the fence and held against the fence. And while I was pushed into the fence, I kneed, elbowed, hammer fist, punched, and just hit him as much as I could. Um, and he continued to push me into the fence. And I would say of 25 minutes, it went the full distance. We probably spent 20 minutes on the fence. Uh, <laughs> and he might have, I don't know, he might have landed 20 strikes on me. Um, well, maybe, a few, I don't know, a few more, but yeah, it was it was just very much he didn't want to do anything for whatever reason. I'm not gonna say uh dodging refereeing, but they didn't separate us in spite of him doing nothing. And I just just hit him from everywhere I could, bit slapped him, elbowed him, knee the legs. It, it was a super boring fight, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um you know, sometimes you just got to get the win. You know how it is. Sometimes you got to win by, in my days, a coca. Not anymore. I'm, there are no more cokas, are there? There's no more Yukos either, Stuart. There's, There's no, no more Yukos. Oh, my word. Well, let's just say I won by Wasari. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> no, it was definitely like a, a Shido or, or a coca I won by. But um, but no, yeah, it was super con- They tried to dispute the decision, but. It's it's one of these things, you know, like uh, all three judges scored the fight for me. All three judges scored all the rounds the exact same. I didn't foul him. I didn't do anything. There was no arguing it. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, now, I, I thought it was an interesting fight because, again, like I'm watching it, um, you can clearly see he's pinning you against the fence and he's waiting for you to step off onto his Osoto. And you just went, oh, I'm not going to step that way. And then, yeah, he didn't do anything else. He was waiting yeah. for you to step. And you just went, ah, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, So, obviously, he's one of the most notable names to move into MMA. Okay. And why, why don't we see more judo players making that transition? What makes the like of you and him or Ronda Rousey, um, Cairo Parisian, Rick Horn? What makes that rare? Um, I like that you put me in in that category. Because <laughs> I personally, as a judo player, I count myself alongside uh, Ishii and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> um, I guess I guess Rick Horn, you know, like, but yeah. Um, no, I'm definitely Double a Cairo Parisian. No, no, I'm definitely a Cairo Parisian. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, um, I think, well, first, I think most judo guys know people, people, I think judo is different to wrestling inherently because um, <clears throat> wrestling is definitely played as a sport in school. Like you play rugby in school. <clears throat> sorry. And go to in the US. In the US. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> while you while you're coughing your lungs up, the name I the name I I'm obviously missed off. While you're coughing your lungs up, the name I missed off that list was obviously uh, Dan Kelly, who's a veteran of the show. Um Dan Kelly. super yeah. great, super great guy. Um and again, yeah, mm-hmm. had a quite a degree of success in M- in judo and in MMA um, at the top level of both sports. More than me in both. <laughs> <clears throat> um, no, I think, I think for most people, it's um, judo is a passion. Uh, it's, it's like something you do because you want to do it, not just because you can. Um, and I also think judo is something you can do for a much longer time than something like wrestling. I, it, like my limited my limited experience in wrestling, you tend to see guys thirty five, and they've got two knee replacements. You know their neck is torn up and stuff. Um, so I think like you know there is no life after college wrestling. There's not many guys. I think a lot of guys come out at twenty three, twenty four, and there's not. If you don't want to train for the Olympics, there's not that much of a uh, competitive architecture. You know, like there are you know, champ American championships and stuff like that, but you're kind of um you go from an academy scheme, you know, where you're living at the university, studying at the college or whatever, and then you go into a, a system where all of a sudden um you know you just got to do it off your own back while working. Like, that's probably very demotivating from someone who's used to having a kind of formalized training setting. Um whereas judo I think you have that informal thing on day one and you have to work through subpar training conditions basically through not like 80% of your career to hopefully make it and get to a national center or you're you happen to be lucky and your you know local club is the Edinburgh club or something like that and and, and you're able to go somewhere and train full time um and, and once you're there, I feel like once you're there, you're in. Whereas I think American collegiate wrestlers, for example, the, obviously the American wrestlers being the, um, the dominant guys, um, they're effectively in the sort of, instead of like a judo compete every weekend, um, I think they're in more like a, a football league. You know, it's almost like a Premier League where they, they have three matches here and three matches there. And there's... If, if you're a national one, you know, national one, NCAA division one wrestler or a division two or division, you know, you're going to have 40 matches each year for four years. And then 90% of the guys are done because 90% of the guys aren't going to be good enough to compete at a higher level, but they are probably great athletes and they are good enough to compete for something, you know, and um, in judo by that time, I think, half the guys have been weeded out so they either just decide to be club level or they quit um, because there is no uh, competitive architecture I mean university judo I think has got a lot better but there's no schedule for it you know it's not like doing judo university is rewarded in, in much of a way you know I, I'm sure a few people I got a scholarship I know you got a scholarship that was that was my last judo competition I think you remember <laughs> um, 
when I was about four years retired from judo, coming back um, for the for the university championships, which kind of says it all because I got silver medalist without without training judo for four years. Um, if there was a competitive architecture there, then maybe you could get guys, bring them into universities and, and have regular championships, have a, a monthly competition for the university title. And I think that would be, um, it would just add, add more to the judo. I don't know if there are enough people or enough decent judo clubs at universities. I'm not sure. Um, but in America, you, I don't know what it is. When they hit 23, they come out, they, they're, effectively their competition career is over but they want to compete in something and there's this whole sport which their skill set is valued massively mm. um yeah. whereas judo i well, i know what how i turn, when i turned up to the gym at the first time i was 17 or 18 probably 18 i think and i was a national champion i could put everyone on their back in the room and nobody really cared enough to actually invest some time into me and I don't know what it's like in America, but I imagine a national champion walks in the room, a wrestler, and people go, ah, oh, this guy is a proven athlete. He has a skill set. Why don't we hold some pads for him? Because he might be worth training, you know what I mean? Um, I personally would, you know, if, in my coaching career, you know, like I, I do coach now. Um and when you have a you have a kid walk in, I have a kid uh, walk in who's got some wrestling experience or something, and you know they're throwing people on the heads on day one. You know, it's lovely to not give people preferential treatment, but you're like, oh, this kid's got something. He's 16, 17. He's already coming in with a skill set. He's obviously passionate, and you can try and put a bit more energy into him, give, give him extra encouragement and technical advice. And I think judo people are in judo or they're just out of everything. You know what I mean? They're either judo athletes or they're former judo athletes. Whereas I think with wrestling, guys will wrestle because they want to, I don't know if they've got a scholarship to college, but it will help them in college because there's that competitive architecture. And then after they finish competing, will they want to still compete and do something because they're 23 years old and they're still ready to compete. Mm. And MMA gives them a, you know, wrestling is, is more like judo, like in that it's a fight. You know, you have a fight, you go out there and you fight. Um, you know, it's very physical, very aggressive. So I think there's a lot of transfer. I think it, for British MMA, it would be huge if they if some more judo players started coming over. It would be absolutely huge. I think it would be a, an amazing breeding ground for MMA fighters because there's so many great athletic guys who maybe maybe aren't the number ones, uh, maybe number twos, threes or fours, or, or, or maybe, you know, top 10 guys in, in certain divisions who could be great MMA fighters. It could be awesome. Um but they don't even, I think a lot of guys don't even think of it as an option or they burn so much energy just working towards this goal, don't hit it. And then it's like, do I want to do anymore? Um, whereas, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's different, isn't it? It's. Uh... I, I think you make, again, yeah, I, I like what you're saying. I think in judo, certainly in the UK, the, the culture is there that you could be part of a judo club for your whole life or you can do judo yeah. for your whole life. There's no pressure there's a master's circuit there's no pressure for you to stop at 1920 there are other avenues for you to continue judo whereas yeah i could well imagine in the states um where wrestling is the primary kind of sport like underpinning a lot combat of, sport, yeah. yeah underpinning a lot of mma guys as well that stops when you leave university or college whatever it is um 
Mm. So do you think do you think judo carries over into MMA quite well? Uh, yes and no. Um, judo is the biggest problem with judo is the um, the amount of crap attacks. You know, you can't if you do a crap attack in MMA and you fail a throw and you're not good enough once you get put on your, you put yourself on your back, you've effectively lost a round or a fight. And I know you can lose in judo, but you could, you know, you can also, everyone drops their knees 25 times each, each match. Each, certainly each tournament, you do 25 bad attacks. You know, I may have bad attack in a, in a clinch will mean um, possibly a lost fight. Um, whereas I think, I think it potentially gives you the skills. It gives you the physical ability and attributes to learn to wrestle. Um, and it gives you many of the aspects of wrestling. It gives you a lot of the kind of clinch game of wrestling, but it gives you the ability to learn how to shoot a takedown, like, you know, leg attack. Um, if, you're, if you're a young man and don't know what a, a, a leg attack is from judo. Um, but it also, um, you know, it just... There's, there's not many people who compete at even a moderate level of judo in the UK, even if you compete at a regional, you know, Midlands and Northern London area sort of who aren't good athletes. And I think the biggest thing about any sport really is being, you know, being a good athlete. Unfortunately, uh, some of us are, you know, we're not all born equal. Some of us are born genetically, you know, with, with different attributes. And I mean, and, if people are, I don't know if I'm going to stick this up as a video or if I'll just stick it up as audio, but people will watch this and they'll say, yeah, they'll, they'll be watching this going clearly one of those brothers is the, the dominant, is the dominant brother. I think it's probably a good point as well to, to start getting into the thing that everybody's really come for. Yeah. They want to know who is the dominant brother, who holds the title of the most coveted, the most coveted title in all of sport. Um, the house championship there can be only one there can only be one champion in the house and it might be that we've not lived together for a long long time um if you are new to the podcast and you've got no idea what the house championship is it is a submission event whereby you can attack someone in any room of a given building and submit them using any item of <laughs> well anything really um but it's a submission wrestling tournament. There's no striking allowed. No holds barred. <laughs> but there can be only one. And at the moment, I am led to believe that the the one might be the slightly more handsome uh, older brother who uh, clearly got all the genetic. I have heard. The genetic <laughs> gifts. It's like twins. If anyone needs to go back and revisit the old school movie Twins, where um, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> were twins, I am in this case the Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> my my younger Was, brother. Danny DeVito, the older twin. <laughs> um, no, I'm actually. I have actually been. Now this might be a bit controversial. You know, I'm a conspiracy guy. I love it. I love a conspiracy theory, but. I mean, all I want to say to do with the house house championship is pandemic. This does seem some somewhat <laughs> convenient, you know. James wins a title, and then all of a sudden, 
the pandemic comes in and we have to shut down, no traveling. I can't. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. There's, I, I'm not going to make excuses, but all I'm, do, I'm just going to put it out for there for your fans and let them be the judges. Can I just say I've uh, held that title now for more than 12 months and um, <laughs> I think I'm going <laughs> to hold it for a little while longer. Um, so going into the future, um, who do you want to fight? Any big names out there that you'd love to fight? And not for the house championship. That belt's never coming back to, to, to where you live. It's never going to be around your waist again. But who would you like to fight in MMA? Um, the big thing, well, for me, obviously, now is just any fight. Any possible fight. Anybody <laughs> right now would be wonderful. Um, as my youth, such as it is, slips between my <laughs> fingers. Um, <laughs> but outside of the UFC, um, like at the moment, there's there's so many good guys. Um, like someone, it'd be cool to fight another UFC legend, um, someone who's you know a, a veteran, uh, and have a crack at someone like that. So um, if I if I could fight someone like Fabio Maldonado, that'd be a great match. Um, on the spot, there's so many guys. Um, yeah, Fabio Maldonado is a guy. There's a big a big tall guy called Chilo's Parry. A uh, British guy who'd be a great fight. Um, he, you know, he's a big, big kickbox. He's like six foot twelve, hundred twenty kilo monster. Um, he's one of the guys they like to put on their posters for the um, for all the sports adverts. You know, all the the, the sports kit. You know, it, it's always great to beat up a poster boy, send them packing with tears in their eyes. Um, no, so that would be a good one. Um, or yeah, Maldonado would be a great fight. But unfortunately, the thing with MMA is, is a lot of guys who talk a big game, but not everyone shows up. Like, <laughs> I, you know what? To my <laughs> one thing I will say is, I will take a poorly, a poor matchup fight. <laughs> I'm quite happy to turn up and have a, have at it. Um, yeah. So I'm actually trying to, trying to be a little bit more, or a little bit less reckless in my career. Now, I'm not saying yes to every dumb idea that comes along just because it seems fun. Um, but yeah, I want, I want a, either a UFC veteran or someone with some, someone with 50,000 followers. If you have 50,000 followers, I'm recruiting you. I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> Actually, I know who I want. I want to go to Babylon MMA in Poland. I want to beat up Lukas Breszki or whatever his name is. Um, because he was meant to fight me and he pulled out. And, so that would be a good fight. Um, anyone, anyone, anyone in Poland, any Polish guy, actually. I like, I'm calling out all of Poland right now. All of Poland. I'm putting them on blast. You know, the British are already ruling Poland in different organisations. Phil de Fries is the king of one. I could be the king of another. The strongest man in Poland can be English. <laughs> um. I think it's a good way to come to the end of the show. Uh, if you if you were speaking to a young athlete coming through, yeah, what piece of advice would you give him? Oh, play football. <laughs> <laughs> you can get like the, the if you can get into the championship, you'll be a wealthy man. <laughs> no, uh, getting a good team, biggest thing, getting a good team, and actually working hard. Um, this is I MMA, not football. Yeah. MMA. Get a good team. 
you like if if you're you know there are some small teams that produce guys but if you're at Joe's kickboxing and three minutes extra you know down the road is you know the whatever whatever train set that has not not only just have guys but has produced 25 fighters you know they don't have to be UFC guys but produce 25 good professional fighters then maybe that's sometimes it's, you've got to you've got to do what's best for you and go find the find the best place to train um yeah I don't know have fun that's the other thing everyone wants to take everything seriously most of you are going to get beaten up and bashed and chucked out the other end so if it isn't fun what is the point <laughs> Well, it's true, isn't it? You got beat. You won. You you won and drew your fights, and yeah, and you got beaten up, yeah, pretty yeah. badly, um, very badly, very very you, badly. Did you have fun? They were enjoyable. Yeah. Are you glad you did it? Yeah, I'm glad I had that experience in MMA. Yeah, great. exactly. That's that's the whole thing. Like you should. Anyone who wants to compete should at least have one fight. Um, and the last thing, don't call yourself an MMA fighter if you've not had a fight. Oh, my God. Get out of it. And if you're wearing shin guards, it doesn't count as a fight. <laughs> oh, Stu, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. If um, anyone wants to follow your MMA journey um, or any of your other shit, where can they find you on social media? Uh, at Stuart Austin MMA. Amazing. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Stu, thanks Follow so me. much, man. Thanks very much. Yeah.